Hello there, this is the Psychology Report, and glad to have you join me again today. I'd like to take a look at a topic that's important to all of us. That's the issue of day-to-day -day stress. There's a website that uh, you may want to consider uh, accessing and uh, getting a little bit more information on this. And it's called stressinamerica.org. Stressinamerica.org. In that website, there's some generated, some, uh, or there is a uh, Report of some generated uh, data and statistics regarding stress in America. And how are we doing as a country? How are we doing as a group of people? Well, you know, stress in America is not uh, a very favorable picture, by the way. 22% uh, of the population in America reported a high degree of stress. You know, that means they're living with chronic stress. It's at high levels. It's uh, disturbing. It's distressing. It interferes with their life, it interferes with their lifestyle, interferes with their decision-making, interferes with their potential to make income, interferes with relationships, interferes with progress and achievement in work and school and just many areas of life. High, high stress is not a good thing. It's not healthy. Those that live under high stress are much more prone to have an accident within a year and they're also prone to not get well if they have an accident and are injured, or if they and they're more prone to have an illness. And if they are ill, they're much more prone to remain ill and have difficulty becoming well again. So high degrees of stress have an, has an enormous effect upon our life. We become accident prone. We become ill health prone. We become uh, prone to disturbance and destruction in just many, many areas of our life. So we have to be very careful how we uh, live and not to aggravate our situation and make it worse. So 22% um, of America is telling us, be careful because it's, it's an impairing uh, disorder, it's an impairing condition uh, in our life. You know, and of that 22% that um, are under high stress, uh, money matters become one of the critical high stressors in life. You know, I, I don't think it's money. I, I, that's what the report shows, that people report that money is a kind of a stressor for us. You know, money doesn't do it. The Bible says something to the fact that it is not love. It's not money. It's the love of money that will be our downfall. So it's what we, how we covet it, how we really desire to earn it and keep it and maintain it and make it an important part of our life. That's what's the destructive part of it. My dad used to have a, a phrase that uh, I always remember, and it's kind of interesting one, it's cute. But he says, you know, poor people have money. It's rich people that have money and problems. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. You see, it isn't the money itself. It's kind of how we use it, how we covet it, how we desire it, how we uh, make it so important in our life, and how we organize our life around it. We sometimes work extra hours, overtime. Uh, husband works, wife works, uh, neglecting the children, all for the sake of earning additional money. So it isn't the money that's the problem. It's the degree to which we covet that money and desire to spend it as we want to spend it to satisfy our own interests, our own needs, our own pleasures, and live a life of what we consider to be a life of satisfaction. 
So money becomes a matter of uh, choice, and it becomes a matter of preference and a matter of lifestyle, if you will. And if you're under stress, you can take a look at that issue of how money has become important to you and how you're using it, how it's becoming a destructive element in your own life in your own, and, and in the life of your family. Now, when we talk about stress, um, you know, most people realize that stress uh, has a health consequence, it has a health component. 32% of the adult population say that it's important to talk to their health care provider about stress. But you know what? If 32% think that they ought to talk to their health provider about stress, only 18% of them actually do. So it's about half of them. They actually follow through and bring up that issue with the health care provider. Now, there's some reasons for that. Health care providers, physicians, don't spend a lot of time with patients. What is it, the average of seven minutes? Uh, so there's not a lot of time to talk about it. But they also don't go to other kind of health care providers, psychologists and social workers and, you know, various other types of uh, providers that can be of help in their management of stress. So... Uh, we are a population of people who believe in stress reduction in some form or doing something about it, but very few of us actually do anything about it. It, it shows that only one out of eight Americans uh, get medical help, uh, you know, actually because of stress. And that... Um, Financial concerns become the big one. And, you know, people don't even consult financial resources or financial consultants like CPAs and accountants and bookkeepers and people like that that could be helping you. It's interesting that we place a high degree of emphasis upon management of our money as a source of stress, but very few of us actually consult people who can help us in that area of money management. There are financial advisors of all kinds. And... Uh, Maybe that's where we need to turn, not necessarily to our health care provider, but maybe to our financial uh, consultant and assistant. Maybe that's where, where we should be spending our time and focusing you know, our efforts. Now, 92% um, of the people uh, know and believe that stress affects their life negatively. So almost all of us you know, have been educated. We know now that stress is a culprit. It's a, it's a part of ill health, and it's certainly not healthy for us. It's not a good thing. And health is impaired because of the stress life we live. You know, about 192%, I'll say, let's say 100% of people believe that stress is really negative and should be avoided. But only 31% of the population believe that stress affects their own personal health. So we, we kind of see this as kind of a theory or as a kind of a general topic of discussion and consideration, but you know, when it comes down to our own personal health, we don't take into account stress. We now start looking at other factors that kind of cause us ill health or the culprit for our health. So uh, we got to change that. It's your health that is affected. It's my health that is affected by stress, not just the fact that stress affects health. But we have to make we have to personalize it in a much more definite way than we ever have in the past. You know, we live in times right now going on with this healthcare issue. 
what kind of health insurance are we going to have? Do we really need it? Who needs it? Who needs it the most? Who can get along without it? Uh, the choice, you know, if you want health care, fine, it's there. If you don't want it, that's okay, too. You don't have to have it. I mean, there's a lot of these kind of issues being bantered about relative to health care. But um, what then are really the determinants of health, of our health levels? Either a healthy lifestyle or unhealthy lifestyle. What what really makes the difference? What's what's the factors that contribute to our health or to our status of health? Well, let's take a look at what some of the research shows. And this comes from the Journal of uh, American Medicine. But forty uh, percent of our health picture, our health profile, is directly due to the lifestyle we live, to the behavioral patterns we engage in. You know, we take risks, we smoke, we drink, we do a lot of behavior patterns that really have health consequences. We live high stressful lives, we take risks, we, we, we engage in damaging kind of behaviors. We don't get enough sleep, we overwork, we, we exert ourselves, we don't get adequate sleep. You know, we live a life pattern that contributes to ill health. Or we live a life that contributes to health. We exercise, we eat well, you know, we engage in good sleep patterns. We have good friends around us that are healthy. I mean, some of us live a healthy life. And some of us live a very unhealthy life. But 40% of our health profile, of our health status, is due to the way we behave. It's our behavior patterns. Now, what are the other factors? That contribute. Well, it's interesting to know that only 30% of it is genetic. So you can only blame your family line, your, your, family, your family history, for 30% of your health patterns. Some studies I've read, it's 25%. But in that range right there is the contributing factor of genetics. If you have a genetic line of a certain ill health pattern, yes, you're at risk, and you need to be careful of that. Whether it's alcoholism, or whether that's cancer, or whether that's uh, diabetes, or, you know, whatever it might be, there is a pattern to be considered relative to your own history. You need to know your family history. You need to know what the ill health patterns have been in generations past, and then take that into account. Consider that. You have a diabetes in your family, and that puts you at risk for diabetes, at least 30%. So do something about that. Live a life of exercise. Watch your food intake. Be careful for your sugars and so on so that you escape the diabetes as a member of your family. Okay, so first it's behavioral patterns. Secondly, it's genetic. And thirdly, 15% of health patterns are due to our socioeconomic levels. Now, socioeconomic means that maybe you don't have health care or maybe you don't have money to join a gym. Or maybe you don't have money to buy equipment that you can use for uh, exercise in your own home. Uh, or you don't do things that would stimulate good health. Like you don't read or you don't go to lectures or you don't go to school or participate in healthy patterns of behavior. So 15% of our health pattern is due to our socioeconomic level. So, and then look at environment. The contribution of environment, only 5%. Environment, that would be the smog that we breathe, the air we breathe, the insecticides that we are exposed to, 
chemicals of various kinds, asbestos and so on, that we are exposed to in our world. And we have our health pattern accordingly. Only 5% is environmental in nature. So basically, environment doesn't play much of a role when it comes to our health pattern. And we have spent trillions of dollars in America to alter our environment in some way, to alter the way that we breathe, the air we breathe, and uh, the global aspects of, uh, of uh, air and, and so on in our, in, our, in our world. But only 5% of our health is due to environmental factors. So of all that money spent, we probably could have gotten a better bang for our buck by putting it into behavioral pattern changes rather than environmental changes. And then lastly, 10% of our health status is due to our health care, whether we access health care or not, whether we have quality health care or not, whether we go to the doctor once a year, twice a year, you know, six times a year, you know, whether we engage in healthy behavior, uh, health care behavior, such as exercise, you know, whether we really make sure that we get adequate sleep and that we really monitor our health. But when, you, when it comes to the health issues and whether you have good health or not, look at behavior. Look at how you behave. Look at are you engaging in healthy behavior or unhealthy behavior. That's where you look first, okay? You can consider then genetic factors after that, and then you can consider economic factors after that. But that's really where it's all about. It's our behavior patterns that determines our health levels uh, primarily. Now, what are some of the stressors uh, or indications of stressors that we uh, can use as an index as to whether our life is under stress or not? I mean, how do you know what you're living under stress? How do you know what your stress levels really are? On a 1 to 10 scale or 1 to 100 scale, how do you really know? Well, let's look at just some of the factors that kind of tell we're under stress. Irritability is one of the big ones. 42% of the people under stress say that they know they're under stress because they're irritable. Short temper. Impulse control is difficult. They have just a sense of restlessness and irritability in their life. An unsettlement, if you will, a discontent in their life. 42% use that as an index as to whether they're under stress or not. 39% just say, I'm anxious. I feel nervous and anxious. And then when I feel anxious, I know that I'm under stress. And that's when I need to do something. Well, it's probably past when you need to do something. But certainly then is the time to do something. So 42% is irritability, 39% is anxiety of some type. And 37% say it's fatigue. We just feel tired. We just feel exhausted. We just feel like we just need more rest and more sleep. So it's that fatigue factor that tells them that they're under stress. And that's true. Stress does take depth of energy and gives us that sense of fatigue. And then 30%, 37%, 37% just said, when I feel sad, I know I'm under stress. I have that kind of sense of sadness. Not necessarily depression. It's what we call a dysthymia, kind of a low-grade depression. We can live, we can operate, we can work, we can go to school, we can live our lives, but we're just kind of living with a general level of sadness and low energy level. And low energy level was 35%, by the way. That's how people know they're under stress. So you take those factors, if you feel irritable, anxious, fatigued, 
sad or low energy levels. It's probably a matter of stress, and you need to take care of that. Not a matter of just taking another pill, some more vitamins, getting more sleep. That's not necessarily the answer. The combination of what are the stressors in your life and deal with them, resolve them, manage them better, and then your health will be better. You see? So it's managing the stress that will then affect your health. So that's kind of how you have to place your, your emphasis you know, on that. Now, people say that sleep is a very important part of functioning and if you don't get adequate sleep you'll feel stressed well you know it's the issues in, in research are this it's not enough sleep that's not the issue most people get six seven eight hours of sleep and that's usually enough most people can sleep on seven and just live very well some people closer to eight that they prefer but people can live on six as well six and a half so it's in that range around six to eight hours a night of sleep that people need to have and then yet people will say, well, I don't get enough sleep, or I need extra sleep, or whatever. No, you don't. You know what you need? You need good sleep. You need not more sleep, but good sleep. You know, it, it's that restful sleep. It's that ability to be prepared to go to bed and be ready to go to bed and, and enjoy the evening, you know, sleep. Make sure that you engage in behaviors that are helpful to falling asleep an hour before you go to bed, you know, reduce your stimulating activities. Get away from the computer so you don't get that computer screen in your eyes before you go to bed. Do things that will help you sleep well. Make sure your room is on the cool side. Make sure it's dark, you know, that you're sleeping in a dark room. Make sure your mattress is comfortable. There are what we call sleep hygiene patterns that are very important and need to be, you know, considered. So it's not enough sleep, it's good sleep that we need to make sure that our health is maintained in a positive way and very healthy. And lastly, let me just say this regarding uh, our health and our well-being. People who live a healthy life give these kinds of statements. They have good family and good friend relationships. Family and friend relationships are important. And when they are good, health tends to be good. So it's a level of relationships that are important to us. Healthy relationships, positive relationships that are healthy and important for us. It is important to get enough sleep, but good sleep. And it's important that we eat well and we exercise well, regularly, routinely. And that we're engaged in an activity of managing our stress. We're managing the level of stress so it isn't high. It's in the low to moderate range that we can handle it and we can live with it, you see? So stress is an important factor, and uh, it's very important to our life, the quality of life that we live. And uh, you can live uh, a healthy life if you place your emphasis on the right spot in your life. That's how you behave. The things that you do, you have control over your stress levels. You have control over your health. It isn't a matter of that the doctor didn't do his job or that you have poor genetics, you know, that kind of thing. No, that's not the issue. Or that you live in a bad place. You live near the airport. You live near a highway. You live near a freeway or, you know, all those kind of things. Or our air is not clean enough. or what, You know, that is so minor relative to the health contribution. 
It's your behavior. It's how you actually behave. And whether you live a life of healthy behavior or not. This has been the Psychology Report. Thanks for joining with me today. And uh, I certainly uh, encourage you to get a hold of my book, Achieving a Healthy Lifestyle and Living a Healthy Lifestyle, Maintaining It in a World of Stress. So go to my website, booksbyhedberg.com. That book is available there. It's uh, on healthy living. And it's got a lot of good stuff in there for you to manage your stress and manage your health patterns. And I recommend it to you. So it's booksbyhedberg.com. Bye for now.